Good morning, Chair City Church. So good to see you. We are in uh, week two of our uh, teaching series on the book of Galatians. It's a, it's a, it's a letter. It's, we call it a book, but it's a letter. The Apostle Paul writes to a, to a group of people, a community of Christians that are part of a church that he had started. He had traveled to Galatia, which is what we know today as modern-day Turkey. He, he established a church to put leaders in place. He moved on to start another church in the then-known world, and he's keeping in contact and communicating with his friends back there in the Galatian church. And, and in that, you know, he's getting some contact. This letter is, is written, Galatians, to give us, I believe, amongst other things, but perhaps the greatest truth in the letter of Galatians the intention is to give us the correct perspective of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we mentioned last week, um, Paul is upset, uh, certainly uh, you know, in the beginning of the letter, perhaps even right through it, he, he's, he's, um, he's alarmed and, and, and he's upset, he's concerned. Last week we talked about Paul calling out the situation, which was uh, Jews who had come to believe in Jesus Christ, if you will, or, uh, and, or faith, and there's a difference, we'll talk about that, but they had come from Jerusalem now to come into the Christian church, if you will, in Galatian, and when they did, they began to teach um, these new Christians who were somewhere what they called Gentiles. They, were, they weren't Jewish people, and they had come to faith in Christ, praise God, and then some were Jewish people who come to faith in Christ. Well, these... Jewish people, they're called Judaizers, came into the church. They're called Judaizers because they're like, you know, listen, here's how you have a real relationship, or here's how you become a Christian, actually, completely. You, 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 you profess the name of Jesus, you have faith in Jesus, or you believe in Jesus, and you have to do these things as well. You have to practice some of these laws, some of the, you know, of the Jewish religious practices, you know, circumcision, uh, acknowledging uh, the Jewish feasts, so on and so forth. And Paul is really upset about this. And he actually calls it out as it's like a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying it's a different gospel than what we, we were taught. He's at, it's not even a gospel at all. It's a corrupt gospel is what he's saying. You know, so, so now we're looking at this 2,000 years ago. And yet, it does apply to us here today. It's a mistake that people make, one, and even how they view Christianity. From the outside looking in, non-Christians, yeah, Christianity is, for the most part, something like a religion that's about doing this, not doing that, not doing this, not doing that, and doing that. That, that, that would be an improper perspective of what Christianity is. And yet even those who call themselves Christians can make this same mistake, can kind of embrace and live out this sort of corrupt gospel, if you will, right? Can live out this way that does not really lead one to having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, one way to know if you are living out Christianity in this way, if you are living out what you believe to be a relationship with God in this way, is that you don't really see God or your involvement in church in sort of a, a jubilant, glad, joyful way, meaning it's kind of more burdensome. Going to church 
It's just, it's not something you really look forward to doing, but it's the right thing to do, you know? Uh, and, and it's socially a good thing to do. You know, people notice you, your friends, you know, it, it works. Or, or, you know, you're giving or you're serving. Okay, you know, there's some good moral depth here, and, and, and I see when people do this in their lives, it, it seemed to work out well, so there's some good reason here also. So if that's a large part of why you're doing any of this, then that's more religion than it is relationship. That's going to become somewhat burdensome. More than you realize, your, 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 your knowledge of God and of what you would call a relationship with God is actually more of a burden than it is something that brings you joy and freedom and gladness. Sure, good things will come from it, but not what God intended. Most, most important that you would have an intimate relationship with him. Huh? When you approach God in a relational way, it's more enjoyable you look forward to it. You're glad to take part in any and every bit of it. So today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul, the beginning of this chapter, he just keeps bringing the, I don't know if you want to say the hammer down. No, he just keeps driving forward this truth to bring the Galatians back to the proper perspective of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he's saying, hey, in the beginning, of it, he goes, I want you to understand what the gospel really is. I want you to understand this is what it is. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1, one says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Who, who has put a spell, uh, who has clouded your thinking? Who has put you in a trance? Who has kind of corrupted your vision and how you're interpreting this truth that you knew to be the gospel of Jesus Christ? Meaning, don't live out this way. Don't do this. It's going to bring you to a place of looking down on yourself rather than looking to God. It's going to bring you to a place of looking down on others if you live it out this way. Living it out this way, meaning you need to earn this, meaning you need to add things to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ gave his life so that you would have eternal life. This is what saves you. This is what rescues you. This is God's love. Okay, but that's good. But now you have to do these other things in order to really make things well. He's saying don't live it out that way. He's telling us, the God Holy Spirit is telling us today, this is not how you want to live out your faith. This is not how you want to perceive God. That I have to do this right and that right. And if if I'm good here and there, then I'm going to be right with God. Meaning, or it said in another way, that, that my sins are going to be paid for. This is, because here's what Paul, Paul, Paul is a human being, and he's a Jew. And so he knows what's going to happen here. He says, he goes on to say this, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Then he says in verse 2, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? (laughs) He's saying, so the law of Moses, yeah, it was the Ten Commandments, the the rules we've seen that was laid out in Leviticus. He's saying, look, when when you and your answers, when you lived out this way, is that what changed your life? Because their lives have been changed. They had been transformed. He's saying, is that what did it? Is that what brought you that great hope? Is that what changed you from the inside out? The fact that you were obeying the law of Moses? 
Again, Paul was one of them. He had practiced that. He had lived that out. He was born in the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a religious leader. He was a Jew of Jews. And he was a human being. And he knew, he knew that's not what did it for me. And that's not what does it for any human being. What did it for me and what would do it for anyone is not obeying these laws and doing these tasks or seeing things and carrying things out. That's not what does it. What does it is faith in Jesus Christ. Huh? Belief in Jesus. He, he's saying this is how we receive the Holy Spirit. This is how we're transformed from the inside out. And I think he's alarmed because I think he knows, and I'm taking a, a, a liberty here, that when we live out our Christianity in a way where we're looking to see what we can do rather than what Jesus has done, that, meaning the, the basis, the foundation of our faith is not really what Jesus has done, but it's what we can do or what we haven't done. When we travel there, go there, remain there, what happens is first we begin to look down on ourselves. We do. Because we're thinking, okay, I, I haven't done this and I haven't done that and I promised to do this and I fell short here. And, and then we start looking down on others. Like, okay, well, I, I haven't done that, but at least I'm not doing this, right? And, and I'm not where I want to be, but at least I'm not where so-and-so is, you know? I mean, God help them, right? You know, I'll pray for them, but at least I'm not like them. This is what we, this is now how we gauge where we are with God. And if we could come out, you know, being, all right, not as good as that one, but not as bad as this one, we're cool. We're good. Just enough to, 51% to get us into heaven. And this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is no gospel at all. The gospel is the good news. That's not a good way to live. And yet, and, poor, and, and it's a very poor culture for a community to have, Right? It's a, actually, it's a, it's a culture that rots from the inside out. When a community of people, this is what's fueling them. This is how they're, how they're being moved day to day, week to week, on, on what they're doing, on why they're doing everything. It, it, it lends to disappointment, confusion. It lends to gossip, right? It's not what we want at Chair City Church. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, Right? We want to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. So Paul turns around and he answers them this question. His question, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He says, of course not. Of course you didn't. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Jesus Christ. He says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? <laughs> Listen, it's a mess, right? Trying to live it out that way, bringing judgment to you, again, on yourself, bringing judgment on another person, it, it, it makes this way of living that we call Christianity burdensome and weary and tiring. And it's so far from the life that the Spirit brings. We're spiritual beings. Unless you, I, we don't, I don't believe we're material, meaning we came from only matter. I believe God created us. He breathed his Spirit into us. We're spiritual beings. And, and when you've had that experience, as the Galatians did, with God and Jesus Christ, and, and that Spirit lives in you now, you're free. You're free. Now, we are in a mess, so here's a quick version of this gospel. We are in a mess, you and I. 
We are. Jesus got us out of our mess. We are sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. It's the truth, right? The Bible tells it. Every single one of us, it's our nature, it's who we are. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all fall short of God's glory. What that means is God, God is glorious and God cannot be in the presence of sin, right? Which is our natural condition. So this is a problem. The God who created us cannot be with us because of our sinful nature. And God didn't just create us, he loves us. He deeply loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. It's why he created us. Now, and, and, it's, and he gave us, he, he, he gave the term for us to call him and know him as Abba Father, our Father in heaven. You know, in the Old Testament, Jewish people, they really didn't know God that way. They didn't approach God that way as our Father in heaven, but, but we do, right? This intimate way. So the question is, what do we do about the problem, right? This problem of sin that separates us from God. Because God can't be in the presence of sin. Now, the penalty, the bill, if you will, for our sin must be paid. This is a human condition. Now, that penalty is hell. It's an eternity in hell. So, meaning we have a death sentence on us, right? And, 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 and that's a real penalty. It's a real bill. That exists. And, and you see that just like in all of life, there are these consequences to our actions. There are consequences just from life itself. We, we, at times, in different ways, we can build up this debt, if you will. It, it even exists in relationships, right? Um, you know, in a marriage or with your children. I have four children. And as a dad, you know, I, I don't exactly keep like a written score, but I have a sense of where I've messed it up with this kid or I've not done the right thing with that kid or maybe I shouldn't have chose those words here and there. And I, and I wonder, are they keeping a tab in their head? You know, dad messed up here, dad messed up here. Uh, yeah, he shouldn't have said that. And, and I know there are times myself where I've kind of what I call leveraged the privilege of being the father, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in their life. Maybe a little too much here, a little harsh here, a uh, little transgression or mistake here and there. And so what I do is, this is just me, uh, you know, certainly at times, I, often I'll ask their forgiveness. Sometimes perhaps I, I, maybe I've overlooked doing that. But just knowing the nature of human beings and, and the potential of them to be carrying some of this, even with our discussions, I tend to keep out of harm's way, just to be, you know, just to be straightforward with you. I, I don't put myself in a position where I think they might take advantage of their dad, right? Like kind of, you know, I mean, they're Sicilian. It's in their blood. I'm Italian, I'm Sicilian. Revenge, it's just in us, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give them the opportunity to kind of take revenge on me, right? So like if we go, if we go out in the ocean, I, I keep my distance from them so they can't, you know, put me down under. Uh, I'll often go in when everybody goes back to a house or goes to get something to eat, and I'll go in for a bit and I'll come out. Um, if we're around like a pond or a pool, I'll always keep my cell phone in my pocket so they can't grab me and throw me in with all my clothes on. You know, all these, you know, different things. I've, I've kind of, you know, keep myself in a protective place, if you will, huh? so they can't get their dad. Well, this last Sunday, we had, um, you know, a church, if you will, and as we love it, it's a church community of people coming together, and I spoke twice 
I was, you know, it was a bit, you know, a little drained and tired afterwards. And then we had the mega maze, we called it, which we had such a, I don't know, turn of 80, 90, nearing 100 people come together. We went to the Davis Mega Maze. What a ton of fun for everybody who came. And I went there with Christy. And, uh, you know, I was kind of there for a, a longer than I thought. Some of my kids wanted to hang out. They got stuck in a maze for a while. So Christy went and, you know, I stayed and I hung out with, you know, a couple of my boys were there. And I guess they were hanging around this kind of, I'll call it a ring. It's kind of like, kind of like a corral, if you will, like a, and a circular thing kind of roped off. And in there, they had like um, these large inflatable transparent balloons that you, you, you kind of get in there. You stick it over you, and then you run and kind of bounce into each other. And so people were doing it. My, I was watching. It was fun. And then my boy, my boy Justin comes over to me, and he's like, hey, Dad. He's like, what do you think, you know, me and you do like a father and son thing, have like a father and son moment. We, you know, just go in there and you know, just have some fun. I was like, yeah, wow, that's cool. That's sure, Justin, we can do that, absolutely. You know, I had my guard down. I was tired, man, you know. I was weary. It was late in the day, you know. And so, uh, yeah, so why don't we play the video? This is my son and me. That's me going down. Right when he gets up. So I paid my bill, right? And <laughs> it was painful. And I'm listening to Sweet Carolina, Red Sox song. I'm, my brain is shaking in my head. I can't breathe. It was, it was painful. It was terrible. It was terrible. If, I, I would have screamed at him and threatened him, but I couldn't even talk. It was so bad. So listen, Jesus stepped in and he paid our bill. You hear me? Right? You see, hell is not a place God sends people to because he's mad at them. Hell is a place people choose to go to to pay for their own sins. That bill has got to be paid, right? Someone's going to pay for the sin, and someone's going to go somewhere. If you choose to pay for your own sin, you're going to go to hell if you choose to do it your way. But if you choose Jesus, and, and he stepped in, and he paid your bill, well, then you're going to heaven. Huh? So... Let's not rely on ourselves. Let's not try and fix our mess on ourselves. Let's not try and create, you know, a system, a, a, a kind of a life system, a belief system, which Christianity is not, that, that we can kind of navigate life, you know, and okay, and have this kind of deal with God that God's not a part of. And like, okay, if we can do this right and do this good and not do this, well, well, well then we're going to get into heaven, right? That's our way of doing it. But what if we just trust in Jesus Christ, huh? Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 says, Paul writes, those who depended on the law, the law was, again, you know, the, old, the uh, Ten Commandments, so what was written in Leviticus, even perhaps things that were added over time, 
says, those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under this curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book, God's book, the law. So here's the thing. It's not that God is actually cursing anybody. It's that where people are cursing themselves by trying to live under this law. But here's why. Because if you even broke one bit of the law, you've broken all the law. It's impossible to keep the law. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles with even a little part of it has, is guilty of breaking all of it. Now, here's what you need to know. Just try and process this. The law couldn't be obeyed, and it still can. You know? So, so bringing this to right here, modern day, if you, if you do a lot of things to try and fix it yourself, you know, like, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. Or, uh, I, I'm going to give. I'm going to help out. I'm going to do something nice for my neighbor, right? These are all good things. These are things that are commanded by God. These, I believe, and I teach, are profitable and beneficial. Huh? But none of that will cure your sin. None of that will cure your sin. None of that is going to pay for your sin. And that cannot be the foundation, the fundamental foundation that fuels your faith. You cannot live it out from that way. Other than that, you're going to start keeping your own score. You're going to start measuring what you think is right or wrong. You're going to come up with what you perceive is your good that can get you into the game. Huh? And you're going to muck it up. And it's going to be more religion than it is relationship. And doing it that way likely, if not certainly, will not change you from the inside out. You're not going to experience the transformation, the supernatural transformation that the gospel of Jesus Christ can give you. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, why then was the law given? If you can't, you know, if you can't obey it and it doesn't get you to heaven, what was its purpose? Why is there an Old Testament? And Paul brings us to this scripture, he gives us these words, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. And then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, Paul says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. You see, the law couldn't guide you, but the law, the law could guide you. But the law couldn't deliver you. Do you get that? The law, these rules, these commands, they, they could guide you, but they can't deliver you. But the, what the law could do is to bring you to a place, and what it does actually, still, is it brings us to a place of realizing we need a Savior. We cannot do it on our own. We need to be rescued. Like when I spoke to those men at the Warrior Conference in June, what's a Christian? A Christian is someone who needs a Savior. A Christian is someone who needs to be rescued. A Christian is someone who can live out their life in this high moral place. That's not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who needs a Savior. I need a Savior. I need to be rescued. And Jesus is the one who has rescued me. Jesus is God's love mission to Dave Trolongo, huh? When you receive Jesus as God intended, as someone who needs to be rescued, a miracle happens in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, this means when you've 
accepted and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. That's a miracle. This is the grace of God. Let's talk about grace, huh? Because it's in a very simple and a very fundamental way. First, grace is a gift. It's a gift that costs us nothing to get. It's a free gift. Now, that really, that, that sounds good, to you, but it doesn't really jive in our minds because it, it doesn't work in our constructs and, and, and how we kind of develop, if you will, ethical ethics and morals and principles, especially in our Western civilization here in this country, right? It doesn't work with, you know, many generations and even the current one and certainly, you know, older generations, if you will, here. Meaning, if anything is worthwhile, you got to work hard for it. Anything that is worth something isn't for free. It's got, right? It's just, that's who we are. That's what we know, right? Remember that um, commercial years back? I mean, if you're probably under 30, you might, or under, I don't know, 40, but do you remember that Smith Barney commercial? Yeah, let's play the clip. John Houseman for the investment firm of Smith Barney. Good investments don't walk up bite you on the bottom and say, we're here. Finding them takes good old-fashioned hard work, research, the kind they do at Smith Barney. Smith Barney is among a handful of top investment firms singled out for their work in research. Smith Barney. They make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. (laughs) They earn it. They earn it, right? Huh? I'm God, I know God, and I'm a Christian, and I've earned it. We have a good marriage, God is good to us, and we've earned it. We've made all the right decisions, we've done all the right things, we've earned it. My kids are behaving better than those kids, and we've earned it. We've done that. This is what we've accomplished. And inside we really know it's not that good anyway, (laughs) But it's good enough to look down on somebody else and, say, and think, hey, we've earned this. They're making those decisions. They've done that. that pair, they, and, and, but we're better than that. We've earned it. So, whew, we can feel good about this, right? About, about this legalistic, religious way of approaching God. Because in that somewhere, we've cogged out a place to, to maintain and nurture that flesh and that nature, which is loaded with sin and against God and cannot be in God's presence. Do you hear me? And God is calling us into this intimate relation with him where we can be honest with ourselves and honest with him and we could be known by God and have an intimate relation with God. And it's not that we earned it or that anything that's going on is something we earned or that we were good enough. But it's that Jesus Christ has given us a gift. And it was a free gift. And we did not deserve it. And we've done nothing for it. But just because of God's love, that he poured out his love in a gracious way. This is grace. That God is so gracious to us that he's given his son. Jesus was that gift. And Jesus didn't come to get you off the hook. It's like, not like that Brooklyn, New York thing where, you know, you got you to gotta hook, you know, somebody so you don't have to wait in line. Right? You can skip the line and get in for free too, right? Yeah. Jesus, it's not like that. Jesus gave his life to pay for that gift, right? He literally has skin in the game, huh? He gave himself. Remember, someone has to pay for your sin. Jesus' gift to you 
with his very own life. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I think we get familiar with that as people who come to church often, who refer to ourselves as Christians. We, we get familiar with that. And it gets to the point when we were talking about that in a huddle, you know, uh, this morning, that, that it just doesn't seem to have the same weight and the same magnitude as it did early on. Huh? And, and, and so I thought, how, how can I kind of attach some emotions to this? How can I bring this, this truth to you in a way that, from a different way? And you think, and really in my theology class earlier this week, the professor kind of stopped and just jumped into this, so I'm going to take a bit of it and share with you. He says, you know, when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, did we ever think about God the Father? Like, you know, from a place of his emotions. Because I believe, I believe God, God, you know, we're emotional beings and God's an emotional God. And it's, it's all throughout the scripture. So what was going on with God the Father? What was he feeling? What emotions were, were, were surging through his being, right? What pain, what depths of pain or sorrow? I mean, have you ever been in an emergency room with a child? It, 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 it's... <laughs> maybe somehow, just an incomplete and insufficient way, but let me try here. If you've been in an emergency room with a child, it's, uh, it's just a very difficult, as you would think, process. And depending on why you're there, it could really escalate to some severe moments of pain in you as a human being. Uh, years ago, oh wow, probably over 10 years ago, 10, 11, 12 years ago, uh, I remember one day I, I, come, I hear a noise, a commotion, I come running out, and uh, I, see, uh, I see my son Jason on the floor, literally on his knees, sobbing. And, and Jason is the younger uh, of, of two brothers. And then so I turn and I start, you know, addressing in kind of a, <laughs> a pretty, I don't know, forceful way, like, to, like my son Justin, like, what, what did you do? Like, you know, what the heck did you do here? And, and, and as I'm doing that, as I'm kind of beginning to give it to him, and I'm going to move to Comfort J. I look back at Justin, and I realize Justin's got blood just literally pouring down the side of his face. And so now I'm like, okay, this is, this is weird. Something's not fitting here. And come to realize Jason's on the floor sobbing because Jason has whacked Justin in the face with a golf club. And it was like a three iron, man. He just whoo, popped him right in the face, right, right above his brow, split his, split his eye right open. And, and, and it, he didn't do it intentionally. Uh, he certainly wasn't careful, but there's Jason. He, Jason's very sensitive, and he's hysterical that he's done this to his brother. And Justin is kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm here I am giving it to Justin. I, I, I wonder if this is something that was on his list when he was attacking me in the, in the ring. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, they keep it, they hold it, man. Oh, wait, 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 we'll get you. So I take Justin to the emergency room, and we're there. And I, if, you know, Justin, he's, uh, he heads up Kids Church. He's in Kids Church for, you know, most of our services. But uh, if you get to know him, he's a, he's a bubbly guy. He's so friendly. He's been like that, I'm telling you, since, like, birth. And you wake him up in the early morning, give him a few seconds, get himself, he'll talk to you. He loves to talk to people. He smiles. He's a, you know, pretty good, happy-going, you know, person. And we go there, and he's the same way. He's talking to nurses, and he's talking to doctors, and he's laying there. And, and then, you know, he's looking at me, and all of a sudden, they, it come time now. To, they say, hey, we got to give him stitches. And they start to take out the needle, and he's like, and he looks at me. And I know the look is like, hey, Dad, you know, just help me. <laughs> you know, what is this? You know, he's just like, like uh, stop this, right? 
And then they go in and they give a needle and you can see the pain because, you know, they're in that area. And you can see the pain, just the tears begin to well up in his eyes and, and he looks over at me. And by the way, I'm in there because, you know, I'm crazy. I've already told you I like to be near my kids when they're having these procedures. And, 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 uh, and I see him just like looking at me like, like help, you know, like, hey, help me. Just stop this. And man, the pain, literally the agony that surging through my body as I'm watching my son in pain, and not just in pain, but like, you know, dad, help me. You just, dad, do something, right, you know? And I'm, you think, so what was God our father feeling when he observed his son being brutally massacred on a cross, bleeding to death, and then hearing those words, father, father, where are you? Help me. Have you forsaken me? Could you fathom the depth of the pain and sorrow in our godly father and he's watching this and doing this because he loves us because he we are the first fruits of all his creation and he desires to have an intimate relation with us but he cannot because of the sin that exists in us and so he watches this and he sees this through knowing that this will pay the price huh for our sin and this will show us our Father loves us. Our Heavenly Father truly loves us. We can, and this is grace, and we can trust and have faith in this, yes? Listen, realize this morning how much God loves you. You were supposed to die, but now you have life. You have life, and you have it abundantly. Praise Jesus this morning. Thank Jesus this morning because of what he's done. This massive extension and injection of God's grace into our life. You see, grace is received by faith. So here, I'm going to try and do this, because, and I'm not playing on words. I believe this to be true. And this might kind of rattle some of you, and you might not be in agreement with this, but here we go. Faith is not necessarily believing in someone. It, it, you know, faith is trust. You can believe in someone, but you might not trust them, if you will, you know? When I say I put my faith in you, I'm trusting you. Chrissy, I, 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 I have faith in you as my wife. I'm, I'm trusting you that you're going to be committed to our marriage, right? So there's a difference between a belief and a trust, like I said before, Christianity is not a belief system. I think most people see it that way. Even many Christians see it as a belief system, right? But the devil and his demons believe in Jesus. I don't think they have faith in him. I don't think they trust him. But they believe in him, right? See, when belief crosses the, a line, which usually has to do with our surrender into trust, now that's faith. You see, there's a difference. A big difference. You know, and, and often what that looked like, at least in me, is where there are things in Scripture and things about what I call my Christianity that I, 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 I will tell you I believe them, but I believe them because I'm looking at it and processing it through faith. Because logically and reasonably, I'm not sure to what extent I believe that. Or I, I just, I'm a cynic. I, there's parts of me where I'm a critical thinker. I, sometimes I slant cynical in a way. Maybe coming from New York. I don't know, whatever. But, but I'll just say, man, you know, like, that doesn't make sense. Well, what, what do I do with that? 
But, but I, I, have, I look at it all from trust. I'm like, well, you know what? But I believe this because I'm trusting in God, because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for me, because God loves me, and I'm going to be with him, worshiping him in eternity. God was so gracious to me. I had that experience. The Holy Spirit is within me, and I'm living out my life in faith. You see, that's faith. Jesus, I know what, I, I know what you did for me, Jesus. I trust you. I trust my life to you. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to live it out that way now in this close, deep relationship versus believing in some things and not in others and living it out in that place of belief but not crossing the line of trust. And when we do that, what's going to happen is it's going to be selective. So in some areas, we're going to turn around and we might have kind of like a part, like we'll trust God somewhat with this but not with that, which is really, I don't know what kind of a trust that is. And, and we negotiate, you know, this year of our life, you know, to this degree, that, to this degree. And not that it's always balanced, perfect, no, but I mean like literally at times somewhat totally omitting certain areas. And so we're coming more from a place of belief, a belief system, right, which really is going to be played out with, again, I'm doing this good, or I should do that, or this is the right thing to do, which Paul says there's no gospel at all. Versus I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is he's given his life to pay for my sins, to pay that debt, to pay that bill so that I could be before God and be made right with God so that when God looks down on me, he doesn't see my sins, but he sees his son giving his life. He sees his son's righteousness on me. Do you get that? Look, some of you are close to having faith in Jesus. But you're holding back. And today I want to encourage you to have faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you are trying to move this Christian thing along as best you can. You know, doing some of this, doing some of that, going to church here, you know, helping out here. Listen, all good, all beneficial, all commanded by God. But this is not the core of who you are. As we said last week, it's not about doing and then being. It's about being and then doing. Be a child of God. Know what your identity is. And that is someone who is loved by God, who Jesus gave his life for, so to, for the forgiveness of your sins, that you would have eternal life. This is the fundament, this is the foundation of our faith. Now, when you cross that line from belief to faith, a miracle happens in you. And you experience this grace of God, this amazing grace that people have given their lives for, have sang songs about. It's transformative. As we move towards closing, grace is available to everybody. It's for you, really. The grace of God is for you. Not not a diluted form. Not a, okay, we're going to make an exception form. I mean, the same grace that was available for Mother Teresa... I call out Mother Teresa a lot. It's cool. I think so. Whatever. That for Mother Teresa, for the Apostle Paul, is available for you. The grace of God. This place, this church, which is not a building, but a people coming together, a community of people, must be a place where that grace is lived out, where that grace is evident. Where people, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, they come in and they sense that grace being lived out, right? This is a place where people are working it out. Where people who have, you know, lived out in a mess 
and are still working through that mess and are still working through their carnal natures and, and perhaps we'll spend the rest of our lives doing that, but we have the grace of God, right? We want this place to be where grace, where people have a sense that it's available for them, not where, you know, you know culture, culture is without anything being said necessarily, it's just there. It just permeates everything. And we want this to be a culture where people come in and they know, okay, this is a, a gracious place. I'm not looked down on. People don't look, you know, look, you know, this is not how this works out. That's why we do what we do. We want to connect to people out there to bring them in here. That's why we do this Halloween event, this trunk or treat, whatever we call it. It's supposed to go out in the parking lot, but then after minds got together, we said, no, no, let's bring it in. We want to do everything we can to bring people in here. When people come in here, they're usually very surprised or impressed. The biggest thing we get is it's not what we thought. Cool, cool. Just keep moving away from your perspective of what you thought Christianity is, of what you think God is. Just keep moving away one step at a time, huh? Let's get all the distractions out of the way to just, again, so you're not clouded, <laughs> posted, so you're not in some trance, so you're not so distracted, and you're going to have this moment, this supernatural moment with God. Now, right now, without all the details, I would tell you there are approximately about, if you figure about two people per sign-up, but two and a half people, we have right now about 1,000 people signed up to come to this event. We're, on, we're about two weeks away from it, and we have 1,000 people right now that are interested or coming. Either way, we're going to wind up with anything on the low side from 700 to maybe as much as 1,000 to 1,200 people. We're excited about that. We can't wait to meet these new people. We can't wait for them to walk into this atmosphere, you know, of God's grace. We ask you to participate. You can pray. Pray for that night. Pray that God is good, because we've seen it happen last year. We see it at a lot of our events. People come in here, and they come to know Jesus. We'll do a baptism next week. It's going to be exciting. The majority of people that are being baptized have come to Christ here. They're all special. It's a fantastic event. It's a biblical experience and event. It's commanded by God to be baptized. But we see people who come in here and come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's phenomenal, right? That, that's our volition. This is why I, we exist. It's our mission. So this is what we're participating in. This is what we're doing. There's nothing fluffy about this. It's immensely intentional from how we walk through the halls to how we interact with people to how we expect to follow up with them to how we see who connects to who. And we know, we know that someone is going to come to know Jesus Christ. I might say 100%. I'm saying from what we've experienced from our events, this is what happens continually time and time again. So we're asking you to participate. One, candy, 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 candy. <laughs> we will give away between 40,000 and 50,000 pieces of candy. So, because we like to do things well here, right? We do. We, and was it last year? A woman put out like a long thing on Facebook out on the community saying that she'd taken her kids around to different things that she had to pay for. They traveled. They went here and there on Halloween. And she paid 50 bucks and 40 bucks and was out like 150 bucks and was like, okay. And her kids were saying, Mom, Mom, but what about my, somebody in class told me about this church they're doing it. She's like, okay, fine. She goes, it was awesome. I mean, she just went on and on about all the things they experienced in here and how they don't go to church, but they were treated so well. And, and, and she kept saying, and it was free. She goes, and they didn't expect nothing, and they didn't want anything, and they treated us so well. She goes, it was just, I, I, it was, it just she goes, it really made our day as a family, right? 
So the church is good. Wow, church is good. And God is great. (laughs) So do not walk into a store without coming out with a bag of candy. (laughs) We have boxes there in the front. Get the candy, bring the candy, drop the candy into the boxes. You just did phenomenal last year. Uh, and and, and I, I, I'm believing and hoping you'll do the same. Okay, Friday night, we got to set up, take all the chairs out of this thing and turn it into this kind of like this, you know, this like foresty, fun place. So set up, come Friday and help out to set up this place. Booths. We set up booths. It could be like something from a movie like Frozen. It could be a, a, a little pirate thing. It could be a fire truck or a police officer thing. We set up these really no gore, no blood, no tombstone, nothing like that. It's incredibly fun and festive. So set up a booth. You can contact all of this. You can contact people at the uh, table there in the lobby. You can go online and say, hey, I want to set up a booth there. And, uh, you know, the kids come around. You give out candy. It's a blast. And then, of course, the day of the event volunteer, come and help out, parking, supervision. I mean, there's just a lot to do, and we have a blast doing it. And of course, putting it all back together, bringing us all, putting all the chairs in place, you're phenomenal. I want you to know that somebody literally was influenced really significantly by this last year. I was standing there, and there was somebody out there, a guy, um, who, you know, and he said, wow, it's going to take you two days to clean this place up and put this back in order. And then he just watched in amazement. You guys like ants, man, just tore the thing apart. And an hour later, it was, we were ready to go. And he said, I, I can't believe it. I've never seen anything like it. I said, welcome to Chair City Church, man. We serve. We serve, we serve, we serve, and we love to serve, right? So jump in, help out, get involved. Listen, we are all broken. We were born sinners. We were messed up. But the grace of God is here for us all, Right? Let us today, let us really receive Jesus for all that he is. Let God, Holy Spirit, do his work in us. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, let's let's call on the name of Jesus. As we're singing this last song, let us just call on the name of Jesus. It said, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Romans chapter 5, verse 15 says, but there is a great difference between Adam, Adam's sin, and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Meaning, you know, that's our death penalty. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, fully man and fully God, Jesus Christ. This morning, you came in here. You didn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord. You didn't think you need to be rescued. You you weren't aware that God has this depth of his love for you. But you're in here. And I believe God ordained that, that that's God facilitated, orchestrated for you to be here and know of his love. And, and yet there's something in you that's stirred. It's the spirit of God that is bringing you, that's already begun to draw you closer to your heavenly father. And today realize that your sins are forgiven as you move into that place of faith, as you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as you call on his name to save you from your sins. Know that God's grace is greater than your sin. Today, know that you can expect the supernatural to happen in you as you are stepping into faith in Jesus. Today, say to yourself, I want to be free. Today, I want to live for Jesus. I'm going to know him. I'm going to live out my life for him in trust And for those of you who've been living out Christianity 
two years, five years, maybe 20 years, and you've been living it out more from this kind of a belief system, a, a more, a more based really on, on morals, maybe ethics, principles, all good, but insufficient to get you into heaven. They're not going to pay for any of your sins. And literally, when you lean on that, you're literally discounting what Jesus Christ has done, and thereby you're missing the power of the Holy Spirit being lived out through you. But today you say, no, today I'm going to trust in Jesus with all of my life, with my marriage, with my job, with my finances, with my future. I'm going with my past. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust in God's grace. It's been said that grace is when you ought to do becomes what you want to do. Joy, joy, unspeakable joy. That this isn't burden. This isn't a burdensome way to live life. This is a joyful way to live our life. I love you. I love what I do. I love this church. To God be the glory.